Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1996's Secrets and Lies, directed by Mike Lee and starring Marianne Jean-Baptiste and Brenda Blethyn. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Um, I watched a movie called uh, Beau Travail. Um, I think that's how you pronounce okay. it. Okay. Uh, my, my French is not great. Mm-hmm. But... Um, it's a, a movie from uh, the, the 90s um, that, that's about the French Foreign Legion, and um, it's it's unlike other movies I've seen. I mean, like, okay. it, it's very European, you know, in that, like, they don't care about, uh, you know, kind of traditional narratives, mm-hmm. and um, you really have to pay attention um, because, like, it just doesn't have, it, it tells them, it tells a story with images, you know, there's almost like there's very little dialogue and the dialogue you do get is like a lot of earnest yearning in a voiceover from one of the protagonists. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's 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 a great movie. And, and it kind of like does it does the thing where uh, you think about it a lot more after it's over. But um, it does expect a lot of you, as we like to say. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, you should, everybody should check it out. It's on Max right now. It's called Beau Travail. OK, so you're looking for a challenge. Go for it. Absolutely. Cool. Sometimes those are nice to have. You oh, know? of course. I I used to binge these kinds of movies. You know, I did too back in the day. I can't believe I did that. I don't. I know because now it's <laughs> what just happened like to my brain. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I mean, awesome. Yeah. Cool. I watched a film. I think it's exclusive on Prime. I believe, but it's called The Vast of Night. Came out a few years ago. Mm. Um, it's kind of a low budget sci-fi UFO film. Uh, but it's very, like, tame and kind of, like, minimalist. Mm. It's not like you're watching a War of the Worlds film. Right. It, it, it's, it takes place over the one night in this small town in, like, the 50s okay. in rural America. You okay. Know? Um, there's, like, a sock hop happening that night or a basketball game or something at the high school. And it follows these two characters. One's uh, a young girl, well, like a teenager. She works the telephone operating system, you know, oh, where you got to right. unplug it's, it and plug yep, it back in. I'll that's connect right. you. Exactly. So she operates that overnight. And then this other dude, I guess he just graduated high school. I mean, uh, and he works as a DJ at the local like radio station. And they got like the little old tower, you know, and nice. stuff. So, uh, but over the course of the night, people are calling into the station and uh, calling in through the uh, switchboard and you they're like reporting sounds and like uh seeing things in the sky and uh you just follow them throughout the night like unsolving this mystery like what's happening mm-hmm. um and it, there's not like big action set pieces or anything and it's just kind of like contemplative right. and mysterious and there's lots of silence and long takes it's just really excellently done and well paced so over the last like 20 or 25 30 years there's been um like a a lot of movies that are like science fiction films that are low budget and they take place in kind of like a a set place like this because when you were talking about you know the switchboard operator and the dj it reminded me of pontypool yeah um you know it was kind of like it's it's they're they're just telling you that something bad is happening outside and you're not seeing it but you're just having to like you know rely on the, the the characters you know performances to like kind of fill it out for you exactly yeah and it it I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, there's like a few scenes in, along the way that I didn't care for too much that they threw in. They probably could have left out and it would have been better. But right. it adds to the world and the story. But uh, I, if it sounds interesting to you, check it out. And like the time capsule, you know, where it takes place is yeah. just wonderful. Yeah, that sounds so, cool. 
Uh, now let's talk about Secrets and Lies, Dave. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Sure. Um, so this is one of Mike Lee's most famous and most acclaimed films, and it deals with issues surrounding children who were adopted who attempt to find their birth parents after growing up. And the main character is Hortense, uh, a successful young optometrist in London who, in her search, uncovers some very surprising information about where she comes from. And uh, the movie also looks at racial tension, uh, depression, and poverty, all while making you laugh way more than you'd expect for a story about these problems. So here we go. Yeah, dude. And might I add, this might be my favorite Mike Lee movie. Oh, dude, I'm so glad to hear you say Dude. That. Okay, cool, cool. I've seen, I don't know how many I've seen, like yeah. half a dozen maybe. Yes. This is probably my favorite. Awesome. And I I want to rewatch this more than any of the other ones I've seen. <laughs> no kidding. So, okay, Like, great. it just... I want to rewatch it without like having to analyze it. Yeah, you know, for the podcast, take some notes and stuff. Yeah. I want to just be sucked in. <laughs> like it's so good. It, this movie <laughs> is like I mean, there, there's a reason it was. It's like kind of the most famous one, and like I said, m- most famous and most acclaimed. I mean, it's the one that everybody knows. And yeah, and you know, like. I, my personal favorite is Vera Drake, but they're all excellent. I mean, you can't go wrong with Mike Lee. That's why he's my favorite filmmaker. Right. And, I mean, Secrets and Lies, like, just, it, it, it gets, it grabs you right at the beginning, and then it just doesn't let up. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's always interesting. Yeah, it opens up at a funeral. Yep. And we don't know who it is or who these people are yet. It's just right in there, the funeral's happening. Uh, someone's mother has died. Right. And it turns out it's the optometrist you've talked about, Hortense, uh, which we find out over the course of the intro here. But right, uh, um, yeah. So her mother has died, and she's we find out she was adopted, and now both her parents are dead. And this kind of drives her to find out who her birth mother is. I loved the uh, the floral arrangement at the funeral. That mom, they, it says yeah. mom. They yeah, put it dude. on top of the grave. I was like, oh, that that's cool. Yeah, you know. Yeah, cool. I don't know, but yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get to meet, you know, the other characters, too. We, we meet Cynthia. We meet Morris, played by Timothy Spall, who's excellent in this. Yes. He's never bad, dude, in anything he does. I mean, he's he's a Mike Lee staple, obviously. Yes. Um, and yeah, Hortense is played by uh, Marianne Jean-Baptiste. Right. And then uh, Cynthia is played by Brenda Blethyn. And yeah. everybody, top to bottom, this cast is stacked, and they're all excellent. Because, Every, you know... Yeah. Because they, because just like any Mike Lee movie, they came up with their characters. You know, everything yeah. was fleshed out by them through like exhaustive rehearsals. Yeah, and it shows. Yep. Like this, th- these performances from everyone all around. They know these people exactly, and they they created them. They they everything about them is is something that like is very personal to them now. Yeah, his process. If people don't know, they they exhaust endlessly and improv and develop the characters while developing like scenes and stuff right like they have a script but it's like they come up with exactly who this person is right so they know they know who it is yes he starts with an outline of of the story that's going to be told and then okay uh marianne you're playing hortense and you know uh brenda you play uh cynthia and you know here here's your back come up with a backstory for, for for your character and you know like try to figure out and then just like improv with each other and try to come up with try to create this relationship and it goes on for months yeah um and that's why it's hard for him to get financing a lot of times because a lot of people just don't believe in yeah, his method, right. you know? <laughs> I think at this point he's good. But. I mean, at what point do you stop, like, yeah, I mean, because, like, this movie was a box office success. 
Um, yeah. And like he's had others, of course, but like uh, when when you have the most acclaimed film, like like this this person who is so admired, you know, by everybody in the film community, I still don't understand even at age eighty now how he has trouble. <laughs> how how he, he had just walk into any office and say, "I'm Mike Lee, give me some money." You know, uh, it, it, yeah. but I mean, that, that, that's the story, obviously, of, of all cinema. So, yeah, I mean, if we had a production company, that would fly with us. Of course. Yes. Like, Here, you can actually, if you want to own the company, take, you can take over. <laughs> that's right. We'd just be sitting in the corner with our arms folded, enjoying our, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that's, that's how it would go. <laughs> and that would be the top for us. Yes. Nothing, nothing better. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Cynthia and Morris are brother and sister. Right. And we follow their two kind of paths. Like, Morris is very well off right now. I don't think he always was. Right. But he's he is made now. himself. Yeah. yeah, he's made it for himself. He bought a photography company from this guy, Stuart. Yeah. And he's growing it into, like, something where he makes very good money now. Right. And Cynthia's kind of stuck in a lower class life. She has a daughter. She lives on her own. Uh, the daughter, I don't know, maybe she went to prison or went to college or something was she at college or uh, she well she she wasn't at college uh you know morris wants her to be in college okay. but instead she just works for the council they say right like so she's living with her mom and and uh she has a job sweeping the streets yeah and um and she she's like perpetually in a foul mood i mean oh yeah i mean is always you know pissed off if your mother was acting like this all the time <laughs> i would be too like, no doubt cynthia's not very likable. I, I mean, you feel sympathy for her sometimes, but other times you're like, woman. I know. Can you just not be so worried about everything and not so selfish? Come she, on. She's always friendly, but because she's very ignorant, she often says a lot of stupid things. And she's not only ignorant about people of like African British descent, but she's always hounding Roxanne and Monica about having children. Yeah. And with Monica, of course, it's especially galling because of what she's going through. Right. Monica is Morris's wife. Yes. So she's her sister-in-law. Right. Played by the great Phyllis Logan. She's and, wonderful, too. And like, and when we first meet Monica, and she's sitting with Morris in, the, in their house, they're, they're having a real nice conversation. And then the second time we, when Morris comes home from his work, yeah. like Monica has, has totally flipped something like something in, in her has snapped and she has, yeah. she's like just very temperamental and she, she's uh, like annoyed at everything he says and does. Yeah. Um, he can't do anything right. And he just has this look of resignation, like, oh my God. And apparently yeah. this happens, you know, once a month thereabouts, uh, because she is, uh, she's, she's depressed because of her. Uh, inability to have children. She she has some physical problems that, that that doesn't allow them to conceive. Right. Yeah, and you don't find that out till the very end of the film. Right. Um, and it's basically ruining their marriage. Yeah. Which Timothy Spall tells her that at the end, kind of like it's pretty much destroyed our marriage. I still love you, but right. Yeah. Because and, of this, it's made it awful. It's kind of a bad thing to say. To someone, <laughs> honestly, who's depressed about this. <laughs> I mean, well, but the, the I think the, the issue then is that he needed to be more sensitive earlier in their marriage about yeah. this stuff. Like, really sit down and say, here's what I'm feeling. But when someone is a conciliator, the way uh, Morris is, like... And I, I say this as someone who is that myself. I'm, I'm, my personality is very much like uh, Timothy Spall's character in this movie. Mm -hmm. I do tend to, uh, 
Mm-hmm. All I want is for everybody to just get along. And so I'll try to work to make that happen. Oh, yeah. You know, and because I just it, it like brings up so much anxiety in me that that I even even if I know that, that we're not really dealing with things the way we should. I just want everybody to like, you know, calm down. And instead of dealing with right. what we're supposed to, I do what he does. He says later uh, at the, the climax of the film, he says the three people I love most hate each other's guts and I'm caught in the middle. And I'm tired of it. <laughs> and and like I mean, and he like I said, it's it's the he's correct. Yeah. But he needed to be like um, much more upfront about the way he felt, you know, throughout his life. Instead of instead of but but when you do this, what he does, and what, right. what I do often oftentimes, I mean, I say this as someone who who should seek therapy. Yeah. You know, uh, but sadly, I haven't gotten around to it yet. <laughs> much like Morris. Um, <laughs> Morris tries valiantly every day to like smile through the pain and that's not how you deal with these issues, you know? Um, yeah. And they present that very well with the photography, the the photography montages and stuff, because they juxtapose that with these scenes where people are fake smiling it, you know, they're in the photos. He's like trying to get them to smile, but it's not real. It's fake, man. (sighs) It's this front. Like there's the session where he's, there's that married, like newlywed couple, I guess, yeah. and they're bickering the whole time about <laughs> take off your glasses. You look better without them. Uh, like they're being cruel to each other, I pretty know. much. Pull out the necklace. You know, it was a gift. And like it just, they're arguing, and then for a split second they smile and take a photo, and then it's right back to the normalization of their relationship. It's it's all a uh, lie. It's like cut between him, yeah. you know, with those scenes with his wife, with Monica, like arguing and being upset, and just. His life is that. I mean, <laughs> it yeah. goes from one to the other. And and like I I've seen this movie multiple times, of course. But like y- you got this on the first viewing, the the metaphor of like um, photography, or more specifically portraiture. Yeah, you know, and as a kind of mask of glamour shot we all wear. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the mask of sanity. Jeez, uh, man, and it just made me think. It's a great of, Iron Maiden song, by the way. <laughs> right. Yes. It would be. I don't know. Of course, right. But yeah, um, it might like going to Olin Mills and sitting for the photographer, <laughs> or you know, or, or like you'd sit down for like family pictures or the church directory. I mean, because two seconds before the camera went off, we were all at each other's throats. Yeah, and. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing right. is just a big facade. God, I, I still have some of my old photos as a child like that, like yeah. just laying around. Like one, of, I think I got like a little sweater on. It's like a lion, but the mane is the sun. <laughs> <laughs> my little moppy haircut. Of course, Dude, it and, sucks. And I mean, like <laughs> I, I took so many pictures with like these velveteen backgrounds. Oh my god, and like a corduroy. Like natural, of course, some kind of fucking overalls yes. made of corduroy. Yes, yeah. that's a lot of Oshkosh Bagosh <laughs> yeah, was dude. born. Yeah, I mean it's all shit. And like, uh, <laughs> I, I go go through your high school yearbook. Oh uh, yeah, dude. And and just look at every picture and think about like secrets and lies and just know that like okay, I'm gonna give this picture at this at this smiling young man or a smiling young lady, and y- you know that like y- you know the horrible shit these people have done. <laughs> Yes, you do. And and it's just, it's all a big nothing. It's it's crap. <laughs> um, a big part of this film is the relationship with Roxanne and Cynthia. So Roxanne's the daughter, the niece. Yes. Uh, Cynthia's daughter. Um, and from, from the get-go, their relationship is shit. You can tell. Claire Rushbrook is the actress who plays uh, Roxanne. And I mean, like, it's... <sighs> 
Dude, and I, I won't compare everything to every other Mike Lee film, but there's characters in, there's a character in All or Nothing played by James Corden uh-huh. who is exactly like this too. Like this this kid who never is nice to anybody. Like mm-hmm. even people who are uh, people who are nice to them, they just always have this, this scowl on uh-huh. their face and like chain smoking through the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and like she has nothing to be happy about. And at one point she says, what's there to smile about? Yeah. Just like Malcolm McDowell in uh, Oh Lucky Man. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. The, it's it's like a, a revisit of that line. I was like, oh, that that rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, and from the get-go, like they're at each other's throats and we find out that Cynthia is so resentful of having this daughter and she's just open about it. Like yeah. you said, she can't really, she says the wrong shit all the time. Right. And, uh, but it's what she's thinking. Maybe she shouldn't tell her daughter that you s- ruined my life because I, I got saddled up with you. And it's like the whole thing kind of like leads up to that. I mean, they're yeah. just having a normal conversation before work in the morning. And this is what they talk about. In she's kind of doing that overbearing mom, yeah. like asking a ton of questions. Right. And like, then she starts interjecting like her own personal feelings that are cruel. Yes. Uh, very, uh, it's very manipulating. And oh, yeah. Because she, she wants sympathy for herself. For her daughter, who says, I never even asked to be born. Like, why the fuck are you blaming me? <laughs> right. She's very much Which in the Which is right. true. I know. Exactly. Because if, if, you, if you resent me that much, it's, it's your fault that I'm here. Yeah. Which, which that whole aspect just complicates things even further. Because we know she had a child before and gave her up for adoption. Yes. Which just is heartbreaking. And Roxanne doesn't know that. Yeah, oh, and that that's the crux here, yep. right? She it's one of the secrets. Secrets and lies, One man. of the secrets that's and so, lies. So good. I mean, you know. Apt title. Absolutely. Yeah. And and like the, the, the idea of secrets and lies in all of our lives, because we we know, like when they have that barbecue later on in the mm-hmm. film, um, you're sitting, we all have the, us as the viewers have the advantage over the characters because we know everybody's secrets. Exactly. We know this is a pressure pot ready to, explode exactly mm-hmm. but you think back to like your own life <laughs> yeah and how like uh all your interactions with your loved ones um you know we don't deal with what we need to <laughs> and so one wrong word could send all of this crashing down yes you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah no more bland pleasantries it's always going to be like cynthia and and uh, roxanne yeah so um <laughs> So Hortense finds out that this is her mom, right? Cynthia is her mother. Yes. And she eventually calls her and talks to her on the phone. And this scene here is some of the greatest acting I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Brenda Blethyn is dynamite. Yes, she is. I know. Um, because she answers the phone and at first she's like, are you trying to call Roxanne? You know, she's not here. And uh, eventually it comes out like, well, I'm your daughter, and you can see the realization on her face. Like, she probably hasn't thought about this baby in a decade or more. Because Hortense says, I'm here, I'm, I'm calling to, about Elizabeth Pearlie, yeah. which Hortense found out was her birth name. And uh, Cynthia says, oh, you no, no, darling, Elizabeth died long ago. Um, apparently, Elizabeth was Cynthia's mother's name, too. Right. And um, she's like, no, I'm talking about baby Elizabeth Pearlie. And right then, like, it's it's like you said, she hasn't thought about this this child yeah. that she gave up for, for probably years. But, like, when she hangs up the phone, she knows right now as she's, like, looking at, she's curled up in the corner looking at the phone waiting for Hortense to call back. 
And when she does, she knows that who she was talking to is is her yeah. baby. Yeah. You know? She she you can see on her face like confusion at first and then the realization. Right. And then her her body like physically goes into shock. Yes. She fucking it starts shaking uncontrollably yeah. and like hangs up and runs to the sink and vomits. <sighs> Man. Man, I the I yeah, you're I mean, jeez. Dude. Because, I mean... It's a shock to the system. I know. It's something, like you said, that you haven't thought about this in years. It's a pivotal moment in your life, and yet you somehow buried it. Hortense, she, she, before, before the phone call, she had, we, she had that scene where she, she went to uh, like the, the agency... Yeah. Um, that, that she was like placed with back when, when she was first given up. And um, Leslie Manville plays the social worker. I was so glad to see Leslie Manville. I mean, she's always a welcome presence, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also a Mike Lee, you know, yeah. one of his, you know, uh, all the time. And like <laughs> Leslie Manville has this great like. So even these small parts like this are done through the Mike Lee method, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Leslie Manville knows she only has one scene in the movie, but she makes it. She just really like brings it, and yeah. um, just that one thing of like eating the Rolo through some of her dialogue is like so perfect, so spot on, and realistic mm-hmm. because people do sit there and go, "Okay, you know," and and they 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 chew while they're mm-hmm. while they're talking, and like it's annoying sometimes, but it's also kind of <laughs> pleasant in a little bit because it's Leslie Manville, you know, and. Um, and this, there, Marianne Jean Baptiste has tons of great scenes in this movie, but this one in particular is my favorite because she has this this moment where um, she brings so much to the character, obviously, but she can portray emotion without saying anything. And more than once in this movie, including this scene, she's just reading documents in her file, and you'll see a single tear stream down her cheek. Um, it's really powerful acting, it and. Is. You know, and, and you just get to live with it because she's living with it. And just you're seeing this character like seeing her life on a piece of paper and yeah. being affected by it. Yeah, it, she has a wonderful understanding of who the, her character is. Yes. Because, I mean, Hortense is, she's very good at, con- she's got her life under control, right? Yes. She she's, understands things. She's super smart and she has control of things and yep. she knows how to deal with situations. So seeing her balance this, like, uh, these emotions she's probably never felt before, and knowing how to portray this as an actor, like, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, this is one uh-huh. of her best scenes in the movie. I know. And, and whenever, she's always the smartest person in the scene. Yes. You know, she, you're always just, and you as the audience kind of know, okay, I need to look at this through, uh, through Hortense's eyes because, like, she's going to be the one that assesses everything mm-hmm. properly. Right. Know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> And even throughout that to the end of the movie, she knew what was going to happen. Yes. She still went along with it. <laughs> and I mean, like, and yeah, and, and she, she like tells everybody yeah. like, this is not how it was supposed to happen, you know? And like, but she doesn't explode. Um, yes. She, she's always so like, um, and she's, she doesn't do like Morris does where she like bottles things up. Yeah. She, she reacts appropriately, but she doesn't react emotionally. Yeah. And like at the end there, Timothy Spall even like tries to comfort her, like touch her arm. She's yeah. like, I'm okay. I know. I was like, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that was cool. That was yeah. a great gesture. And it mm-hmm. also paid off earlier because, like, 
you know, one of Morris's biggest flaws is that he can't stop touching people. <laughs> yeah, like pushing their hair to the side yes. for photos. Yes. Yeah. It's like, he's such a good guy, but there's this one aspect of his personality, like, dude, stop touching people. Yeah, you know? for a split second, I wondered if he was going to go too far with something I, somewhere. I know. Yeah. And I think that they paid it off with the too far by that moment of him, mm-hmm. like, trying to console Hortense, but she just kind of like, I'm fine, you know, and we just met, so please stop exactly. touching me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And, and there's a key piece of information we find out in this uh, scene with Leslie Manville. In the adoption papers, we find out Hortense's mother is white. Yes. Hortense is black. Right. Uh, so she she thinks there's a mistake. Like, is this right? Like, there, this has to be a mistake, right? Right. No. Leslie Manville's like, isn't it? Uh, couldn't it be? Your mom's white. I mean, there's nothing saying she can't be. Right. You know? So, um, and that brings that racial tension stuff into the film, like you said. Yes. Because... Like, Cynthia, uh, when they do meet, because, like, it, during the second phone call, they, they you know, she just agrees, okay, I'll, I'll go meet you. And, you know, uh, Hortense says, okay, meet me in front of the tube station at, at 7.30. Yeah. And you get this great scene that's, like, happening just, you know, in the everyday bustle of London. Um, there's people, like, non-actors walking by, kind of, like, naked. Yeah. Um, and... You see Cynthia standing, you know, next to this pillar and Hortense on the other side. And, you know, I think Hortense knows who Cynthia is right away. She kind of paces back and forth a couple of times, though, to, yeah. like, you know, really assess it. Um, but she she figures it out and she walks up. Hello. And um, <laughs> man, <laughs> Cynthia is not prepared for this. You know, she's like, oh, dearie, there must have been a mistake. They're having a laugh, yeah. dear. You know, <laughs> oh, you poor thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it, they go get some tea, right? Uh huh. Um, I I don't I the, the, it's the one thing I don't like about Cynthia. One of, one of the things I don't like about Cynthia. It's got nothing to do with Brenda Blethyn's performance, but it's it's the the total denial of and and like she says, I never had sex with a black man. Obviously, you did. <laughs> Something happened. Exactly. So and the the evidence is right here before you. So. Just calm down, gather your thoughts, and say, okay, here's what happened 30 years ago. Um, but to, to then have this moment of realization where she goes, oh, wait a minute. And, like, she she doubles over in the booth. It's, it's a two-shot in this booth of them sitting oh, on the sec- on the same so side. So good. And it's and a one take. It's one t- a, a tour de force. Yes. Like, just this miniature film that, yeah, one single take. And, like, uh, Marianne Jean- Jean-Baptiste is, like, proves herself also as a great reactor, you know? Oh yeah. Cause she has to let all this like happen to him, happen to her. Uh, you know, she has this, you know, while Brent, Brenda Blethyn's having this breakdown, uh, Marianne has to like endure it and convey all the emotion Hortense is feeling without saying anything. Right. And they can't even like look at each other. Their body language right. in this film tells everything. Like they, they do look at each other, but they have to keep looking away in like shame or fear. Yes. Or just confusion. Um, Imagine being in this situation, man. It's got to be rough. I know. It happens to millions of people. A lot of, uh, tons of people who were adopted, you know, have to go on this particular voyage, you mm-hmm. know, and, and if they do somehow find the, their birth parents, they yeah. have to have this confrontation and they yeah. have to ask the, the, the first question that's been foremost on their mind, you know, their whole life is why didn't you want me? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, my ex-wife, she was adopted mm. and while we were married, she found out who her mother was. Right. And- Unfortunately for her, it was too late. She had already passed. She passed away. She passed away. And it was such a, like, I have no understanding of her 
how she's really feeling. I mean, I have some kind of sympathy for her. Yeah. Uh, but um, those kind of emotions are so unique to those situations. And right. to to portray them this well in this film, like that's they they did a great job, man. I know. Like, and this scene. This scene is one of the best in the film. I mean, it's filled with, like, master class scenes. I know. It's hard to say they're the best in the film because they're all the best. It's, it's a bunch <laughs> of identical gold bars, I know. But this is one of my favorite just because of the tour de force yeah. of acting that happens here. Yeah, and and that, that single unbroken shot of just the two of them on the same side of the booth. And like you said about, you know, the, how they, they can't look at each other. To look at each other, they physically have to turn their heads. Yeah. Because right. they're sitting on the same side of the booth, yeah. So that gives like an extra added physical uh, aspect to the to the scene. And like you said about, you know, anybody like in Hortense's position, who is um, like, just like your ex wife, trying to trying to find some answers. But now the added element of the racial component, you know, yeah. Um, she had no idea her mother was white, and her mother is like trying to wiggle out at least at the beginning of like even owning up to the fact that, that she had a daughter, that yeah. she had a child out of, you know, um, and it's only after just a lot of hysterical, uh, cry, this, this crying thing that she goes on that oh she finally kind of yeah. comes to grips with it herself. It's like, it's almost like she'd repressed the entire episode. Yeah. And she reveals like, she didn't even like, she does accept the fact. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're black and I'm white and right. that's how it is. Right. Uh, and you are my daughter. Hortense is as successful in life as Morris is, but um, being financially secure and having it together and having a nice flat has nothing to do with like what's inside. And she obviously, yeah. you know, like is unhappy. I mean, she, she has a, a good life, I think. And she had a good upbringing. I mean, she was with people who loved yeah. her, but like she still had that added element of knowing that, that, right. that, you know, something else, something traumatic happened to her when she was a baby. And, um, I guess having to carry that all around with, uh, having to carry that around with you your whole life, it doesn't matter how successful you get, you're always going to be broken some way by it. Right. There's always a hole that you're going to want to try to fill. Yep. And this, you mentioned she's well off, right? Right. And we've already said Cynthia, they're kind of like lower class living. Yeah. They're working class uh, and and they got this like, you know, really small, I I guess it's like, I heard it's a council house. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like different levels of society they're yep. both from now. Right. Um, there's a there's a big aspect of the film that's like the nature versus nurture almost. Right. Because Cynthia raised Roxanne, and she's kind of just the same as her. She's <laughs> depressed. She's yes. angry. You know, she's working like a, a low-paying job right. that's not looked highly upon. Yeah. And uh, Hortense, who she gave up, is now a doctor. And her apartment looks pretty sweet, and <laughs> she's sitting there reading her book and I know. on this wonderful furniture. Having and a real like, nice Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, dude. So, I mean, <laughs> Cynthia even says in this scene when they're getting tea, like, you were better off without me. Right. And, you know, based on what you see, yeah. she definitely was. She is. And and that's... And, and I guess that that's kind of like what we were saying earlier about like, you know, you said there's always a hole. I mean, it's true. Like Cynthia is right that, that Hortense is better off without her. But like Hortense, like just can't can't accept that because it's like, right. I still need to know who you are. Right. You know? Maybe her situation is better. Yeah. But she's not going to be completely better as a person like right. emotionally. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Because like, even if even if we can't have a mother daughter relationship, I need to know who I need to know you, and I need to understand like where I come from. Right. We all want to know who we are. Yeah. It's just human nature. Right. If I found out tomorrow that that like my whole upbringing that that like, well, if somehow I wasn't who I thought I was. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it'd be kind of devastating it for for a little while. Exactly. Um. And we're just halfway through the film, people. Yes, <laughs> dude, right. it's quite an emotional ringer. So they they do develop kind of a relationship now. They yeah. meet each other a few times, and you see Cynthia, who's been dejected and kind of just resigned this whole time. Now she's kind of li- lighted up. She her life has a little bit of purpose now. It seems like. And she she always said that she never goes anywhere. Um, her and Roxanne talk <laughs> about it because Roxanne's got a boyfriend. And she goes Paul. out. Yeah, Paul. Man, what a, I love Paul. Man, this guy like what a face on this actor yeah. is Lee Voss. I mean, like it's it's just got this this chin that could like you know I mean yeah it, it would bust the countertop behind you. Yeah, I mean, it's so sharp and uh-huh. like and there's just so many <laughs> angles to his to his head and I'm just like. Man, he's, it's a really it's it's quite it's a great performance by this guy, and also he just I love him and Roxanne's uh, interplay. Like she's she's not exactly mean to him, but she's also very she's obviously the boss in the relationship, and he goes along with what she right, does. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's always hanging around. Yes. Um, Cynthia's life it feels like she has a new purpose almost. Yeah. Like she's still the same old Cynthia. Like, <laughs> but <laughs> she she's. A little happier now, and she probably never thought she'd feel this way about ever meeting this child. And the relationship that develops between them is rather than mother and daughter, it's like they're just friends. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that a lot of times uh, this is probably how it happens. If if there's a successful meeting of the adopted of the the, the child who was given up, yeah, and the and the parent, this is probably. You know, pretty close to how it would would go is like we can't really have be parent and child, but we can develop a friendship and have a relationship. Right, exactly. Um, and I loved him. One of the times they go out, they go and see Judge Dredd. I, I knew, <laughs> like, I, I, before I before I even started the movie, I was like, Scott's gonna notice they saw Judge Dredd. Yeah, you and know? then they even talk about <laughs> Sylvester Stallone <laughs> <know>. later. <laughs> exactly. I can't understand a word he's saying. <laughs> 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 and Hortense does that face, and she's like, that's my Sylvester Stallone yes. face. And she's like, oh. And then she, Cynthia's, like, talking about how handsome he is, and uh-huh. like, the muscles and stuff. <laughs> and then they talk about the kind of guys they like. Yep. It, it's really good. I love it a lot. And, um, and it's another two shot of the two of them <laughs> just sitting yeah, in this is. in this bar after the after the movie. Yep. Um, and it's not as intense and fraught as the previous one. No, was. no, because you know, they're more pleasant. They've softened up on each other, which right. is great. They've gotten the tough part kind of out of the way. Yeah. Well, the initial meeting's probably one of the toughest things you got to deal with. Yes. Um, I imagine more toughness will happen. Right. But uh, yeah, so it's it's really fun to see them like actually blossom like this. I know. Like you feel so much happiness actually. And there's another scene too where they go out to dinner, um, like and. I, I think there's some there's some moment where like Cynthia realizes that that uh, Hortense's birthday was just like two days ago. Yeah, yeah. And she she kind of feels bad in that moment, like oh my god, you know. I I and and Hortense's like no no it's okay. And she's like well what did you do? It's like oh you were just on your own just and she's like well no I got some reading done. I I you know had a uh, yeah. you know nice cup of tea and I, I was I was all I was fine. You know yes. no big deal. Just chilling out exactly because her book. Yes, yeah. Hortense is a very well adjusted person and yeah it's and depressing that she was alone on her birthday but she's okay with it. She's. She's okay with who she is. Yeah. She 
She's okay with her situation. She is the person she wants to be. Yes. And she's happy with it. Right. So, yeah, I'm the same way. I, I don't want to go out. I'm just going to sit here. Yes. I'm going to watch a movie. I know. I'm going to... You know, drink some tea. You know, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to do the things that I enjoy. Yeah. You know, on my day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so, like, Roxanne notices that she's going out. And they're they're at each other's throats half the time and, like, won't tell each other what they're doing <laughs> right. and shit. So when <laughs> when she goes out, Roxanne's like, well, you're going out. Really? <laughs> she's like, yeah, well, who are you going out with? I'm not telling you. <laughs> like, you guys are so fucked up i know uh, like in in all in all of cynthia and roxanne's <laughs> interactions you just waiting you're hoping someone's gonna say something nice to each other yeah you know but n- it never happens and mm-hmm. they just they're and they're they're smoking cigarettes throughout the entire th- I mean, non-stop even when they go to morris's they're like you have an ashtray <laughs> i know monica's like it's in the fucking room okay by the way <laughs> the idea is that that is just science fiction to me the idea of like a non-smoking household having ashtrays for smokers who visit. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> Can you imagine someone just smoking in your house and you're not a smoker? Exactly. Uh, wow. And apparently uh, it went on all the time back then. God. I can't stand it. I know. I, don't know. I went to a concert last night and I went outside with my brother who smokes and I, we were in the smoking area. Yeah. I came in two minutes later, couldn't breathe because I had <laughs> inhaled so much smoke, and I smelled like cigarettes for the next 40 minutes. Of course. Yeah. I, th- there was a time you'd go to a concert, and that would just be the inside. I know. I, I can't believe that. I, I I'd w- have to shower after concerts back in the day, <sighs> not because I was sweaty, but because of I had like a layer <laughs> of filth over my body. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine Monica in this film, her meticulousness, like just the cigarette smoke alone would ruin her wallpaper and everything. She would be so pissed. And she, and because it's that society, we we were at that time in society, she can't do a thing about it. Yeah. Right. It just, that was an accepted like social, uh, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. So Roxanne thinks she's out seeing this bloke, right? Yes. And, um, now they're they're planning this party for Roxanne's twenty first birthday. Can I have a barbecue? And this has kind of been a through line since the beginning. Yeah, you know? um, they haven't seen each other much because Morris got married to Monica and, and moved away. Right, I'm assuming he used to live with Cynthia. Yeah, they they, they were because and like um, also their their parents died what, like when when both were very young. Yeah, and Cynthia looked after Morris, you know, and uh, they they lived in that house that that Roxanne and Cynthia right. are in now. And yeah, Morris has been successful and he's moved kind of to the suburbs. And like Cynthia believes that, that they haven't seen each other because of Monica, you know? Yeah. And Monica believes that the kind of the same thing about Cynthia, that, that they're estranged because of, you know, Cynthia hates Monica or whatever. Yeah. It, it's a lot of, you know, animosity between the in-laws. Yeah. Because Morris is, when he has his individual scenes with these people, it always comes up. They say something about the other person. Yeah. Does Monica know you're here? Right. You know? Right. I know. Exactly. Yeah. Things like that. And Morris and Monica both know uh, about Cynthia, Cynthia's situation. They, they, they know about the baby that was given up. Yeah. Um, and uh, they don't know the real secret, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. At least Monica doesn't. Um, and they, they've kept everything from Roxanne, like... You know, they, they've never said a word about it either. That's yeah. one of the other secrets. And apparently there's been arguments about that. Yes. Monica keeps saying, like, I always said you should tell her. Right. And they thought otherwise. And Morris, like, adores Roxanne. 
you know, just like he he's he loves her like yeah. his own because yes. he can't have kids of his own with with Monica. Yeah, so she is essentially his daughter in a way. Like right. he treats her like his he would his daughter. Right. They they have a picture of her on the mantelpiece, and yeah. it's it's like a, a real uh, picture of um. Talk about Ola Mills, man. I, I know, man. <laughs> and it, it's it was it was taken by Morris like back in the day, and and it's 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 the classic little kid pose of like chin on shoulder looking yeah. to the side and like <laughs> we've all taken that picture before <laughs> it's a headshot essentially yeah um and and it's a real picture of claire rushbrook from when she was a kid I okay mean, like they they you know it's 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 like she's six years old i know yeah and that, that's always been a weird thing to me of, of like actors like uh, I remember when I was watching Election recently, and there's some pictures of like Reese Witherspoon when yeah. she was like 10 years old, and I was like, did did they just have to ask Alexander Payne, hey, can we get some pictures of you from when you were, can you call your mom and see if yeah. we can get some pictures? I always like when they do that, but then they have to like Photoshop the other actor in. Oh my God, sometimes it's real obvious <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah, I know, it looks terrible. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, and, and he says like, she, my, Roxanne's like, why do you still have that picture up? God yes, dang it, I know. Morris. I know. <laughs> Morris is like, it's my favorite one. It's my the best shot I took of you. And he's even said earlier in the film, like, it's the last time she smiled, right. is what he says. Right. And God damn. So for the last 15 years, she hasn't smiled once, man. And like... And, uh, and it's so cool when, when when they first go to the house because like Roxanne, her whole demeanor changes. She's happy. She loves. She's so she happy just, to see Morris. I know. And and even he like she says something. She like says fuck at some point, and he goes, "Hey, what's your language? <laughs> you, you fucking sod or something like that." And she just like laughs about. It. She's not taken aback. She yeah. just thinks, "Oh, this is great." She kind of giggles like a little kid. Uh huh. You know? She's so happy. <laughs> and Paul's sitting there just yeah. like watching it unfold. But, Smoking through the whole thing. Paul reminds me, who's the guy? There's that guy in Vera Drake who comes to Christmas dinner or whatever for like one scene it's, or whatever. It's, uh, it looks like he kind of reminds me of Eddie Marzan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like he reminds me of that. Yes, <laughs> so yes. Good. Like, like he'd, he'd be the guy in, in the 50s who would say to Vera, this is the best Christmas I've had in a long yes, time, Vera. Right. Smashing. Well, he gets that steak. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Morris brings Paul that giant steak. Oh, it's man. It's like a two pounder. And he just like flops it on the plate. <laughs> yeah, he plops it down. <laughs> On top of his sides. As as everyone gathers at a... All seven of them at a table for two. Right. I mean, it's real claustrophobic. Oh, it's so good. I, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So this is the birthday party they've been trying to plan. Yeah. For Roxanne. So Cynthia wants to invite Hortense to the party. Right. And he, she convinces uh, Morris to let her bring yeah, a, can, a person. Yeah, can I bring a friend? Can I bring a friend? And she doesn't say who it is or what... He he asked, you know, is it is it a bloke you're seeing or something? And she's like, no, 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 no. It's just a friend from work, you know. Uh huh. Uh, that we've been we've been going out and having fun and stuff. So he's like, okay, fine, yeah, bring him, bring her. And so this guy, when this happens, you're like, man, this can't be good. You you, this, you know this is, you know right away. This is a powder keg. Exactly. This is not going to end well. <laughs> There's going to be some revelation at some point, and we're all going to be real uncomfortable because we don't trust Cynthia to keep her mouth shut. Absolutely not. You know. Yeah. And then Hortense reluctantly agrees to go. She wants to go, but yeah. she knows. That this is this. There's a 99 percent chance that this is going to go to shit. I know, and it's exactly it. it she's going to be humiliated somehow, and it's also a fast forwarding of a friendship. Yeah, you know? yeah. Hey, let's okay. We we've gone gone out with each other like three times. Yeah, now. it's this is a course of a week. I you know. know. It's like, well, you want to meet my family now? I mean, I and and that, that would be weird if even if we were just really friends. But the 
that we have this other layer of like secret and relatives. Like, what's going to happen later when it does come out? Oh yeah, by the way, I know that's your sister. Like we we snuck her in without telling you guys the truth. Here's another <sighs> lie. And yeah, exactly that that person that that so and yeah, I told you at the beginning that she was my friend from work, and we we brought her in under false pretenses like that. I mean, oh like, my god, it just it could be handled it so much worse. differently. I know. Yeah, right. What, what if what if she'd gotten on the phone with Morris and said, you know, hey, look, uh, here's what happened. Do you have a minute? Because this is I need to tell yeah. you something. Talk you know? right. Talk like adults. Talk, Come on, talk about our pain. And he you know? knows about it. Of Obviously, course. he's probably the person. Who most in the world will understand. Yes, he, he's the one to go to about it. And and you're lying about it. It's just... Man. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cynthia, she... she A lifetime of the but wrong move. God, you can't help but feel so happy for Cynthia's feelings right now. Like, she feels whole again almost. She feels you're, alive. You're so happy to see her. But you know what's going to happen... And you're it, happy she's God, happy. It puts a pit in your stomach because you're like, dude, no, Cynthia, what are you doing? <laughs> just just don't do this. Please. I don't want to see this happen. She she's <laughs> just I know, man. I know. But but it's she's <laughs> incapable of like reason. You know? Yeah. I mean, she she has to react emotionally in every situation. And because I guess it's all she's got. And like and she she doesn't understand the ramifications of the things she says or the stuff she does. Yeah. And like She's not very good with seeing consequences down the line. No, she's not. She 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 lives in the moment. Yeah. And, you know, um, and in this moment, I have a new best friend, and I'm going to bring him to the barbecue. <laughs> for my daughter's birthday. <laughs> for, for the other daughter's I mean, birthday. Just think about that element. I know. I mean, the idea that it's your daughter's birthday. And it's and a you milestone this, birthday. Yes, it's 21st. And you have this secret daughter now who you're going to bring in and, like, not reveal who she is? I wish we had video on this podcast, Dave, because <laughs> our, the, our yes. reactions to everything in this are just, I, they're solid gold. I mean, I've been watching you this whole time, and I'm just like, <laughs> the world needs to see our reactions. Because I, we, I think we're doing a good time articulating everything of course. on this episode. But, man, our physical performance are matching... The performances in this film. <laughs> Absolutely. Scott and I don't gesticulate very often, but we are on this one. <laughs> yeah, you know, like yeah. A lot, of, a, a lot of, you know, hand wringing. It's worthy of gesticulation. Yes. <laughs> That's the, the box, you know, quote. <laughs> worthy of gesticulation. Dudes on movies. <laughs> yeah, Peter's Travers doesn't say exactly. that, everybody. That's right. <laughs> anyway, oh, let's, let's, let's have a party. Let's go to the party, Dave. Yes, dude. Let, let, let's all <laughs> go to the party. Everybody gets there first, and, like, they... they Cynthia and Roxanne have never been to the house since Morris and Monica got it. Yes. And, um... We, we mentioned earlier about, like, how Monica works really hard to, like, you know, keep a great house. And it's it's very nice on the inside. Um, it's very 90s looking. Uh, it's, it's like, the when, when we first see it, there's a lot of, like, you know, teal in there. Teal and, like, a beige pink color yes. and stuff. Yeah. And, and, then, and then she uses these stencils that, that, uh, to, like, you know, paint uh, patterns on the, on the, the, like. Just on the walls yeah, and everything. Yeah, on the wainscoting and everything. Yeah. yeah and, um, and then... She's showing them around like you do when, when you come over to somebody's house for some reason. I don't know. I don't particularly enjoy this ritual, but but this is what society does. Yeah. Um, when you go to somebody's house, they, they show you around. And um, 
like Cynthia is making passive aggressive comments to Monica throughout this whole <laughs> thing because that's just how she is. And uh, like Monica is trying, she's just gritting her teeth through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually wants to throttle, you know, Cynthia, but but she's not going to do it because mm-hmm. she she loves Morris and all that stuff. Um, and it's, it's all shit about like, oh, wow, you guys are so much better than me. I know. Oh, I know. Up, Shut up. <laughs> Stop making everybody feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Um, but we finally get outside to the, well, Hortense shows up last. Yes, because uh, Morris is talking with Paul and Roxanne is like, where's where's, where's your mom's friend? friend? Right. I, I thought she was bringing her friend. And Roxanne's like, uh, she never said anything to me. Oh, yeah, that's right. She never even told her about bringing a friend. Yeah. So then that, that like opens this little crack in the situation. Like, okay, well, what the fuck's going on now? Right, and right. So, so we're starting to see the seams uh, pop open here. Yep. Just a little. <laughs> and Hortense isn't even there yet. <laughs> uh, and Hortense shows up and, you know, like she, she plays along really well. Yeah. It, it's, it's a wonderful meeting introduction and everything goes well for a while. And on this viewing during the barbecue, I started to think that Morris knew who Hortense was all along. Oh really? You thought he was suspecting? Yes. Cause when, like uh, Hortense is sitting in that, I guess it's a seven shot because um, it's it's where they're all gathered it's around another, that small I love table. This scene, you know, it's I a love great it. scene. And Morris is in the background at the grill, yes, like cooking all the meat, burgers and bangers, and he's got that steak. Man. Burgers and bangers, exactly. Um, and at, during when Hortense is like uh, explaining to every because everybody's asking her questions about who she is and how do you know mom and all that stuff and and she's answering in in her character that, that Cynthia has given her essentially mm-hmm. and Morris is like observing them from from the grill and there's a look of recognition on his face that that tells me he knows who Hortense is okay you know and I could be wrong but but this is just I, I think that's, cool. that's how it's going I mean you've definitely watched this more than I have right. so I, I don't think I even looked at him back on the grill more than a couple times oh yeah I didn't notice there's so this much viewing. going on in the scene yes um that's interesting mm-hmm. I wonder if he did right and it would I think it's 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 in line with his character like Morris is kind of the most reasonable person in their family in but until Hortense shows up yeah um he's always been you know the the person who um like he's he's kind of the the most put together and he he would probably assess things you know yeah. pretty quickly yeah and and this scene when they're eating I f- I feel so happy Me like too. this looks like just a wonderful, lovely family gathering. Yeah. And everyone's having an awesome time. And they're all like kind of uh, accepting, you know, like, oh, okay, well, Hortense is, is like, you know, my mom's friend and, and you know, well, she's making mom happy and this is great. You know, uh, it's, she, she's a, a great addition to this. this you right. Know, I'm glad that mom has somebody. She's pleasant and yeah. fun and they, they want to get to know her, right? So right. they start asking some questions and this is where you're like, man, what are they going to do? Because... She says she's an optometrist, but she also is supposed to work with Cynthia at the factory. Yeah, that that, <laughs> that part is like tough. I'm like, guys, did you not think? Oh, come on! And Hortense like somehow oh, pulls it she off. She improvs it wonderfully. Yes, like saying about how she she's doing. She's working at the box factory for some kind of like project she's working on or yeah, whatever. It's research. Yes, research. She's studying their eyes. <sighs> they don't go into why, but like. <laughs> Doing an eye study at maybe the box the, Maybe the effects of this kind of work could, on visual quality go. or something. I go. mean, that's what I thought she was going with. I'm like, okay, she's covering. Right. She's covering her ass. Because Hortense knows how to, like, you know, improvise, too. I mean, she, she's got... She's, she's the very, smartest one there. She is a very talented person. <laughs> yes. and, and so she knows how to, like, you know, get out of a fix. 
Yeah, and um, it doesn't fall apart yet. They nope. they they pull a save, man. Yes. <laughs> so, um, and they they finish eating, and then they go have cake yeah, inside because it started to rain outside, so they yeah. move everything inside to have cake. And and man, wonderful, you know. It's a commonplace movie metaphor. The storm rolls in, you yeah. know, in the scene. Right. And then Harbinger. This is when shit happens. Yes. <laughs> and they bring out the cake. And um, they, you know, like Morris and Monica give uh, Roxanne this card that apparently has a pretty good full of, cash. Bit of money in it. Yeah. Uh, probably, you know, and this is going to really turn this. This is life changing stuff for her. Yeah. You know, and um, the, the Hortense has to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And while while she's in the bathroom, uh, the rest of the family's She's getting there. overwhelmed. She's yeah. getting overwhelmed she's, with the situation. Exactly. Because like, when, when, when we see her go into the... We follow her into the bathroom, and, and the door closes behind her. She kind of just like sighs heavily when she gets in there. Yeah, because, and Cynthia's getting upset, too, because she's jealous of Morris and oh, the yeah. situation. Yeah. And so she sees all this money, and she's like, well, I forgot to bring my gift. She probably didn't even buy a gift yet, right. honestly. Right. Uh, so the situation is just getting tense because of this. And... Yeah. yeah, Cynthia blows it. Just full on, like, reveals offhandedly that Hortense is her daughter. Yeah. And no one knows how to react to it at first. There's, like, there's kind of this stunned silence. And um, that's, and then I, I think it's Roxanne just goes, oh, mom, you've had too much to drink or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they cut to Timothy oh Spall and his his he's got that same face that he had outside of the barbecue where i i think he's pacing it together oh oh yeah. oh i got it okay yeah she's telling Man. the truth she says that she takes after her mother and they're all like confused by what do we mean by that do you do you know her mother say, too does she does she work at the factory and she says no you're looking at her and the whole time she's upset and she's kind of crying while she's saying this right and it's this is just a blowout they're all like what what because this is the most out of left field comment that you would ever expect to be made. I I don't know what the proper way is of doing. I mean, like, do, there's do no you, proper way. No, but it's not at your daughter's twenty first birthday party when she's blowing out her candles, and and you don't you, you don't just blurt it out. And Hortense should be right. there, and you should be holding her hand. You and she hasn't prepared you know, anyone. No. Oh my god. She needs to pull Hortense aside and say, "Here's what here's what I'd like to do. Exactly. Are you okay with this? Yeah. You know. Um." And then Leslie yeah. Manville s- says earlier in her scene, like, you have to consider other people's feelings, too. Yes. Like, it's not just you. Are you sure you want to take this step? Because this is going to impact more people than you imagine. Right. In ways you can't imagine. And that's what happens here. This is this is the end result of that path she took. And uh, yeah, everybody has to pay right away. <laughs> you know. Yeah, everyone dove headfirst into this freezing cold water. <laughs> That they didn't know they were going to be plunged into, you know, and like, <laughs> and Roxanne is, is just obviously really upset. She's in disbelief at first. Right. And then uh, th- she can't handle it. She lashes out at, Hor- at, at Morris and Monica. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Because it's know, revealed that they know. Exactly. They've, they've, they, they've, they've known, they've the, whole known the whole time. Right. And then she lashes out at Hortense before she, uh, her and Paul, like, storm out. Yeah. And they go to this bus stop to, like, sit and wait for the bus. And Morris goes after them to, like, you know, try to uh, bring them back. This is one of my favorite Morris moments. Mm-hmm. He, he comes in, and he's being fatherly to her and tells her, like, hey, yeah, this is fucked up, but we love you. Like, this doesn't change anything. Right. We all love you. Right. Everyone there loves you. You need... 
we need to come and deal with this now. Yep. We can't just go and deal later. We got to deal with this. And he convinces her and Paul to come back. Right. Mm-hmm. And she is reluctant, but she's like, all right, fuck it. Let's go. Yep. I, I really love it. And she's, she just walks back kind of forcefully just like storming back to the house it's the roxanne walk yes she does <laughs> she always does walk, this yes. you know it, it's like every she's situation she's angry and she's fast i know and, oh she looks like she wants to deck somebody all i was time. about to say she's ready to punch dude <laughs> for real right even when her and paul have that sex scene <laughs> yeah like, it, it's 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 the craziest scene i mean it's now give us a snog. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and and she's like she's like really aggressively <laughs> undressing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and trying and, to pull the leg pants off the leg. Exactly. Just, with her, yeah, with her calculator good. watch in the foreground. <laughs> <laughs> it's really man. It's awesome. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. yeah. And now they come back and they they discuss it, and it's quite a scene. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the secrets and the lies come out in this scene. And Timothy Spall has the titular line, you know, secrets and lies. And um, he essentially says that, like, what she, he asks everybody, he asks the characters and the audience, why can't we talk about our pain? Exactly. Why can't we share it with each other? You know, that's why we're here, right? To support each other. And him and him and Monica have hidden for presumably fifteen years that they can't have that they can't conceive. You know, mm-hmm. and. Something to people who want to have children but physically can't, that's a very painful thing. Yeah. And that they have to go through it alone. And obviously, like, Monica has her reasons for not wanting it revealed because it's unfortunately a, a stigmatizing problem. People yeah. people make comments, ignorant, you know, remarks right. about, about women who can't conceive. And she's she knows that uh, Morris's sister is Cynthia, who probably would use that, you know, like who, oh, who she might would say never let things. it go. Exactly. Um, and oh, when Morris goes and sees Cynthia midway through the film, when he's leaving, she even says like, when are you going to make me an auntie? I know. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't I, know. I mean, man, I, and I, geez, anyone out there who, who knows me, if I ever said anything to you about having children, please forgive me. Yeah, I apologize I, yeah, too. You know, because <laughs> that's a very personal thing. It is. You know, I, I always hate people who say that. Like, well, when are you guys having kids? Right. When I want to get the fuck out of my business. I know exactly that. That is my, that is my choice. That, that that is something I have to discuss with my partner. So you know, please. Maybe, maybe if they didn't say it in such a weird, condescending way. That's like, I know. are you guys planning on having children at some point? That's a better way to phrase sure, it. Right. Like, not when are you going to do this, motherfucker? Exactly. I know. Stop saying such <laughs> yeah. thoughtless bullshit. Because a lot of times it's just filling the air. It, it's almost like talking about the weather for them. Like yeah. they, they don't even truly care. They're just saying, "Hey, when are you having kids?" Yeah, well, what yeah. The fu- I, I, you know, I, I hate. You know what the term I hate? I hate this term so much. Is start a family. Start a family. Okay. Uh, you know, like I, man, <laughs> uh, my my wife and I used to watch House Hunters all the time, which uh-huh. was just a bad choice. But it's full of entitled white people who stay, <laughs> who always say like, "Well, we want to start a family." It's like like they're they're talking about it like it's a, a business opportunity. Yeah. Or or some kind of project you go on. No, it's a yeah. really uh, you're bringing a life into this. Exactly. World. Yeah. Think about it for five seconds. They're building uh, a life. It's the idiocracy principle, man. Yes. That's what idiocracy came from, dude. These people, the exact, house hunters of that's America, right. come on, who want to start a family. <laughs> that's not no, how you you're do starting it. the downfall of society. <laughs> yes, that's what you're exactly. doing, you mother. <laughs> mm. <sighs> oh yeah. 
yeah, but Morris's speech is so great here. Yes. And everyone starts, after he does this, everyone starts to kind of open up to each other and accept each other and apologize and uh, mend the wounds. Yes. It's a great scene, man. It's and and like even though I said earlier about how Morris, you know, like doesn't doesn't handle things properly and he explodes on everybody in this moment. He he kind of just explodes on himself. Um and it it yeah. needed to be said and like it it does in the end help everybody, but it would have been a bigger help if he had gathered everybody, you know, like and and they had had more gatherings like this and right. they, and they could learn to trust each other and and talk about it, you know, uh just more openly and without so much emotion. Exactly. And one of my favorite parts in the scene, like they reveal that Monica can't have children. And Monica and Cynthia, they have a cantankerous relationship. They yeah. have. Cynthia even says like 18 years ago, you started trying to take him away from me. You right, know? Like right. Blaming Monica for her personal situation. Yes. Which it's not Monica's fault that you're in this. But I mean... Monica says to Cynthia, who she just despises this whole time, that you're so lucky. You have Roxanne and you have Hortense. Right. Like you have these two children that I can never have. Yes. And even though I despise you, you're so lucky and I, I'm envious of you. I mean, I, I live in this big house with six bedrooms and I'm envious of Cynthia. Yeah. You know, because and you know Cynthia would never think that in a million years. Right. She thinks Monica hates her guts, which she probably does. I mean, yes, <laughs> but, <laughs> but for not for the same reasons yeah, that she thinks. Different reasons, right? And and Cynthia goes and like holds Monica, and she cries in her lap. Yep, fucking love it, man. Cynthia, they're healing. I mean, and, and that and that's like one of Cynthia's strong points, like just in general, is her ability. Even though she is who she is, she is a loving person. Yeah, and, and she's very motherly too. Yes. And she, yeah, you yeah. Know. And then at one point, does Roxanne go and hug them too? Yes. I can't. I, Roxanne because goes. Roxanne is finally kind trying. She's starting to like calm down. Yes. And like actually be able to think about things without this rush of emotion that she can't control. And then it culminates with Hortense walking over. Yeah. And so now it's the two sisters and Monica oh, and Cynthia. Fucking awesome. Yes. It's great. And right, be, right before that, Hortense and Morris are sitting at the table, and Morris. Says welcome to the family. Yes. Oh, I love it. It's it's great. And he also told her too before he sat down. You know, like like how he he admires her, how courageous she is. Mm-hmm. You know that that she was able to do this. And like obviously, you know, he I I think he looks at Hortense and sees a fellow traveler now. You know. Uh, yeah. I I'm yeah. I'm welcome to this insane family. <laughs> uh, but you and I are are the two reasonable ones. Exactly. Like even though this. This is the missing piece. Yes. That she's that it fills that hole. Right. Fills that gap she's had her whole life. Right. It might not be the the shape or size you expected it to be, but this is what it is. And I guess it never is. Yeah. Um it never is. It, it's it's never what you expect and you know and finding a family like this too. I mean like <sighs> Obviously, it's going to take years for them to really, you know, like settle it. Right. You know, and understand each other. Yeah. And because the, the, after the scene is over, we, we kind of calm down and we're back at Cynthia's flat and uh, Roxanne and uh, Hortense are in this garden, like looking at this like storage area yeah. where all this junk from, from the, the flat is. Yeah. Um, and like they're talking about um, how, 
you know, well, we're, we're sisters, but how are we going to do this? I mean, like when, when we hang out and you're going to take me to the pub, you know, how are you going to introduce me? Yeah. You know, and um, it's it's one of these things that, that like uh, in, in the movie Fantasy Island from 2020, mm-hmm. the Blumhouse production, <laughs> a terrible film. I missed that one on purpose. Um, I, actually, I shouldn't say it's terrible. It, it is terrible, but it's also very entertaining. Okay. All but, right. but there's one moment where like uh, these two actors, one is Asian and the other one is white. They introduce themselves as brothers. And like all the other characters are like, well, wait a minute. This guy's this. And, and, and it's like. That's what? not who cares. Who gives a shit? Honestly, if two people who are of different races comes up to you and says, "Oh yeah, they introduce themselves as siblings," just go, just go with it. Okay, yes. right. You know, and they even say like, she's she's talking to Roxanne Hortense is like, "How are you going to introduce me as, as my half? Is her half sister?" Right. And Roxanne's just like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I will." Like. There's never been someone and, more qualified for this job than Roxanne. Oh yeah, because Roxanne you know? will fucking slug you exactly. in the face if you say anything yeah, about that's it. Right. That's my goddamn sister. <laughs> I will pop you one. Holy crap! <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I love it too because it, it even goes on just a smidge longer, and they're talking about well, yeah, that's just like the the easiest best way to do it right right just get it out in the open which is the point of the whole movie why fucking lie about this why have a secret because (sighs) it's better just to tell the truth and i mean roxanne has no secrets no she she is just like uh, what you see is what you get just tell the truth in it exactly yes 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 (laughs) i mean she's and roxanne just kind of goes yeah, 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 you're right. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, Hortense. Or Hortense yeah. says that. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, because she, she thought about it. She was trying to yeah. be kind of like... Well, how are we going to maneuver this? Yeah. Because Hortense is a member of society. Yeah. And so she she kind of <laughs> tries to like think think of it in terms of like HR and everything. Yeah. It's like... R- Roxanne's well, no. more just like straight to the point. Exactly. Yeah, well, like, no, let's not, let's not worry about that. Let's just tell them we're sisters and be done with it. Yeah. You know? Right. Okay. Well, well, I'll go with it then. <laughs> I love it. Because they're like, well, do, do you feel like we're sisters? And they're like, yeah, I... Yeah, maybe. Right. Like it, it's great because it's the two of them like looking towards the camera. It's two shot of them looking through the fence into this thing. Yes. We're inside of this like storage shed looking at them on the outside. Right. And it they look like two children, you know, like I know. looking in the window of like an old like busted out house or right. something. Like they look like sisters who would be out playing and exploring. There's a lot of like childlike wonder in in, yeah. in in the way they're looking at each other and at the junk stuff. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's just visually represents sisterhood, yes, right? Childhood, siblings, and and they're on this rooftop of the of the the council house, which doesn't have indoor plumbing. Yeah, um, you know, it's yeah, yeah it's a real tough situation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, yeah, and then Morris's house has two, three bathrooms, and and like <laughs> Cynthia has to chew on that, and like it's it's. I said she made passive aggressive comments. Yeah, right. It was kind of really even more aggressive aggressive because I yeah, mean it's yeah. like, hey, I don't have a toilet inside my house, and you got three. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Morris has his own. Monica has <laughs> yeah, her own. Exactly. Right. And then there's a guest one. There's a reason Cynthia <laughs> is the way she is. She, I might she be a little a jealous of that. Yes. Too. Uh, at least I have one inside, folks. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> um, and then. And then um, Cynthia comes out with with some drinks, you know, some, right. uh, some tea or something, and sits there on her sun lounger chair like she likes to do, and just says, you know, oh, this is the life, isn't it? And th- that's the end of the film, man. I, I mean, they have a quick conversation yeah. with each other, just like, oh, you're gonna go out or whatever, and just pleasantries, and they're all being nice to each other, yes, which you never saw earlier, especially with Roxanne and Cynthia, and and she says, this is the life, and that's it ends right there, happy note. 
I mean, and this this abrupt ending, but a hundred percent a character arc. Yeah, you know, yeah, like it, it's it's a lot of other movies would would try, like very naturally would try to, and even you as the writer would be like, well, I need to I need to figure out a way to like really put a button on this, but they don't in this situation. It's like no, you're just going to see these people sitting there having a nice conversation because that's a change from what it was before. You know, I would say this is a perfect button. Like, Agreed. It, it leaves us at a point that's perfect for the journey we've taken for all these characters too. All three of them sitting there have completed their arcs. Like you said, yep. And in the scene before everyone else has completed their arcs, right? Like it, it is perfectly buttoned up, even though it does feel abrupt, but it's so appropriate. The The last line in the film is about how good life is yeah. with these people. Yeah. Fucking awesome. So man. cool. I know. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I gotta watch this again and yeah, again, dude. Dave. Yeah, like, dude, uh, this absolutely. is the best movie I've seen in so long. Oh, that's so cool to hear, man. Because I, 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 and I knew you were gonna like it, but yeah. I, I didn't know you'd like it this much. I, but, I you know, love this movie. That's that's awesome. Yes. Fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to talk about? Well, um, in the annals of uh, semi regular segment now, Dave uh, discusses movie posters that don't matter anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> did they all have guns in the poster or something it wasn't quite that bad okay but it's pretty bad <laughs> if you look on the on wikipedia the 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 poster for secrets and lies it's a th- there's there's three individual shots one of roxanne um one of uh cynthia and one of hortense and they're all like on the phone and the shot of hortense is of her like remember when she made the funny face and like uh, uh-huh. to Cynthia and then they laughed about it. It's, it's Hortense like in, it's kind of an unflattering picture of, of Hortense like mid laugh. Okay. And it doesn't fit. Like it's the, the other two scenes are like, are very, or the other two uh, pictures are very serious yeah. and it just doesn't look like it goes. And it's, it's, I don't know. It's <laughs> awkward and it's not what this movie is. Exactly. That's um, hilarious. <laughs> and we, we skipped over also the, the scene with Ron Cook as Stuart. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, it's one of the scenes that you could just like, it's a really good scene, but it doesn't belong. It doesn't need to be there. It is. It, it, it's good character development yeah. for Morris and a few other people, but yeah, right. it, it's not really relevant to any of the other parts of the story. It, it yeah. literally has handles. I mean, if you took it out, the, the movie would yeah. be exactly the same. Yeah. Um, but it does like Ron cook, um, plays Stuart, the guy who Morris bought the business from. And it's just worth noting that like, he is also a, a Mike Lee regular. He plays doily cart in the topsy in topsy turvies, the, okay. the head of the theater. Yeah, yeah. And then Elizabeth Barrington is in the movie as well. She plays, uh, Morris's assistant. Right. Yeah. And, um, she's in the, the barbecue scene yeah. and the, and she's just like sitting there like observing everything. And at the end, like she has that, she's crying about the situation. And then she looks at Morris and she does the Eddie marzan thing Mm -hmm. she's like morris you're so lovely i wish i had you for a day exactly you know and and you feel bad for her because it's like i wonder what her situation is yeah you you kind of just notice her as the scene goes on you're like oh man she's sitting there just has to watch this (laughs) and appropriately she kind of like stays out of it yes oh yeah she's silent it's not her place to be chiming in right I thought for a second that Morris was also going to tell her, you know, you're part of the family also. Right. Which would have been nice and appropriate because she's she's throughout the movie there oh, yeah. with them, like, doing things. She knows everybody. So she's obviously not part of the family family, but she's a big part of the family's life. She's a close family friend. Yes. Which is, which so. is really just as, as good a position. You yeah. Know? So... Um, and, and both her, like Elizabeth Barrington and Ron Cook are in Quills, which is not a Mike Lee film, um, but we did an episode about it like uh, 
years that's ago. That's where I recognize her from. She yeah. plays like the, the the girl who's like scheming. Yes, uh, and and there's that She's jump scare. So good uh, with with her like 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 Joaquin Phoenix thinks it's Kate Winslet and uh-huh. turns around and it's Elizabeth Barrington. Uh-huh. And it's like boom, and it's like <gasps> you know, yeah, awesome, <laughs> dude. All right, cool, man. Yeah. So, um, would you recommend this movie, Dave? I mean, good lord, everybody, it, go out and see. Just start at the beginning with Mike Lee and go all the way up to 2018. Um, just, you know, that's, that's his last film was Peter Lou D- digest them all. And this one, especially obviously secrets and lies. It was, it was nominated for, you know, like Oscars, a uh, Mike Lee, yeah. best director, Brenda Blevin, best actress, uh, Marianne Jean Baptiste, uh, best supporting actress. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's a wonderful film. Like I just said, like this is one of the best films I've seen in so long, everybody. Like years. Yes. It's so good. Yes. Um, if you don't want to do Mike Lee's whole catalog, just jump into this one, man. It's a wonderful representation of everything he does. Yeah. Some of his films are a lot more challenging, a lot darker, but they're all his films are serious and hilarious and just heartfelt yep. and wonderful, filled with great performances. This is a great choice for your favorite director, Dave. Thank like, you. Definitely is. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, wholehearted dude's recommendation on this one. <laughs> definitely. Um, and that wraps things up. So if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcast. Rate it, review it, and most of all, share it. It gets more dudes listening to the dudes. And you can also go to dudesonmovies.com and find anything you need right there. Yeah, and we're on Facebook and Instagram and whatever else is out there. Uh, and our email address is dudesonmovies at gmail.com. That's right. And Dave, we have a question of the week. What's the question of the week? Question of the week. What are the best movies about broken families? That's right. Call them to the voicemail, 628-400-DUDE. That's 628-400-3833. And stay tuned next week when we do 1973's The Exorcist, directed by William Friedkin and starring Ellen Burstyn and Linda Blair. So until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>